Hi, welcome to Piloting. I'm Melissa. And I'm Renee. And we're your hosts. Piloting is a podcast for people who refuse to live on autopilot, where we celebrate risk takers, go-getters, and anyone craving a change. How are you doing today, Renee? (laughs) (laughs) The giggles! I'm great. How are you? (laughs) You know, I'm doing really good. I am really proud of us. I think that's the first feeling that comes to mind because this is our 20th episode. (gasps) Wow, I didn't even realize that. The big two zero. We're in the 20s, baby. Oh my God. We're (laughs) we're driving and we can almost drink. (laughs) (laughs) Can't wait to be legal on our next episode. (laughs) Hey, hey, hey. That's amazing. (laughs) So that's the, yeah, that's the first feeling that I felt. Um, But, okay, this topic, I feel like we're going to have really good conversations about. That's what I'm manifesting because we're going to be talking about imposter syndrome. And I think it's a term that I'm sure a lot of us have Googled before. It's a term Mm -hmm. a lot of us have read about, have seen things floating around the internet. And I'm kind of unready to like pack it. I mean, unpack it. I'm sorry. I'm ready to unpack imposter syndrome. Yeah, I think, I feel like imposter syndrome, when I think about it, and I don't know if this is always the case, because I know that most people experience it at some point in their lives, but a lot of the conversation around imposter syndrome gets coupled in with conversations about women in the workplace. Like we Mm. often think of women having a more intense or maybe more frequent experience of imposter syndrome. And what do you think about that? Do you feel like there is a gender imbalance there or is that just hype to get clicks on articles? Ooh. I want to say yes. I want to say yes, because I'm trying to recall my first conversations of ever, ever even hearing the term imposter syndrome and I feel as if the first time I may have heard I may have heard about this term maybe it was like three to four years ago and it was a conversation and it was specifically with women and it was about women and what's interesting about that observation too is I just found this out in the in like some preliminary research before we started having this conversation of how the term imposter syndrome even came about. And it was first coined imposter phenomenon. And it was um, a study done back in 1985. And the study was first identified, or the term was first identified from clinical observations during during therapeutic sessions with high achieving women. So this study Mm. nearly 40 years ago about high achieving women and I'll link the I'll link the journal um, that I found about the study. So now we're having this conversation nearly 40 years later about the same thing and about the same phenomenon happening. So that's like a very interesting thing that you are bringing up because yeah, it's typically used and talked about and geared towards women in the workplace. 
Yeah. Have you ever experienced imposter syndrome? Yes. Yes. And I think I feel like I have moments of it still today, but because of being able to sort of recognize what's happening, I can pivot from it more quickly than I used to. I think Mm. it was extremely prevalent for me much earlier in my career, especially when I felt as if I was catching up. Um, But now, I don't know, now I don't feel it as much, but sometimes some of the, quote, symptoms creep in every now and then, and I have to be really cognitive of that and not let it become a whole thing um what about you I have I I relate to you I think earlier in my career I felt it maybe more frequently when I was experiencing a lot of firsts you know Mm. like the first time I led a presentation by myself the first time I went on a work trip without not a chaperone, but like without another colleague where they just trusted me to handle that solo. Like a lot of those firsts, even though I knew I had the capacity to do it and I I think I'm generally a pretty confident person, mm-hmm. I did still feel in a lot of those moments of firsts, like, do I really know what I'm doing? Should they be trusting me to do this on my own? Are you sure no one else needs to come on the train with me and of course they don't and once you do it a couple times or even just one time it reminds you of your power but I I definitely I definitely felt that a lot earlier in my career and and sometimes now anytime something new happens it until until I do it you know sometimes I do have that hesitation but you're right I don't I don't get sucked into that self-consciousness the same way that I used to and you know it's sometimes I think about imposter syndrome and I'm like, okay, is it nervousness that I'm feeling? Is it like a true, like I feel like a true fraud? Because I think that's probably the closest comparison to what imposter syndrome is, is even though you have all these accolades and you're high achieving, there still is this like voice in your head that is saying to you, you are undeserving of this and you don't actually know what you're doing and you're a fraud and everyone's going to find out. Um, And that's a very heavy emotion and heavy burden to be carrying. And I like how you just sort of describe like those moments of of the first. And I, I can definitely relate to that. And or finally... Actually, a more recent feeling is getting into a position at a company and making a certain amount. And it, it was one of those moments where it's like, I knew I deserved mm. this. Like, I was being severely underpaid, in my opinion. Um, and market research shows that, too, at a, a, at a job. And I made a big jump. And when I made a big jump, naturally, from agency to corporate, it tends to reap um, some financial benefits, but I, I reached a milestone. And instead of being like, 
heck yeah, Melissa, this is what you've been dreaming of. You actually hit your goal sooner than you thought that you would, you know, putting like a, a monetary goal, like goal for, you know, a salary amount. Um, instead of feeling that, the first feeling I felt was like, oh my God. And now I have to actually perform against that amount instead of being like, you know, and mm. so that is yeah. now when I'm thinking about it, that is probably one of the most recent purest forms of imposter syndrome I have felt of like, oh, am I, can I, act, can I actually perform at this level? And it's like, girl, <laughs> of course you can, but yeah. But you bring up a good point, though, that and I think this is why so many times women in particular get stuck in this cycle of when we're new at something or when we're unfamiliar or more junior or what have you, we feel the imposter syndrome because we don't have evidence Mm -hmm. to ourselves or to others that we can do it. But then even when we reach those milestones of, okay, I've got the title, I've got the salary, I've, I've kind of earned this respect and like position, I still have the imposter syndrome now because I, I don't know if I can measure up to this new thing. So it's like, at what point do we allow ourselves as women or as people to say, mm-hmm. I deserve to be here? If it's not at the beginning and it's not when I hit these peaks, then when is it? Are we just going to keep torturing ourselves over and over again? Um, I, I want to mention Meghan Markle. She had a podcast series on Spotify called Archetypes. And she did an interview with Mindy Kaling, which I just thought was fantastic. And in it, Mindy Kaling, who for people who don't know, she's a well-known actress, but also a television writer, producer, director, showrunner. Like She's created several shows. And in the interview, she said, because she used to have her own TV show on Hulu called The Mindy Project that she spearheaded. And she said, I remember when I started on The Mindy Project, someone had asked me, do you have imposter syndrome? And I would say no, because I was at The Office, like the TV show The Office, for eight years. If I didn't think I could do this job at this point, I'd have to be like clinically Mm. unconfident. And I think what she's saying, though, is something that a lot of women struggle with, that yes, even though I have this resume or this history of proven work, we do sometimes fall into this clinically unconfidence that, oh, well, I'm doing my own thing now. Do I still have imposter syndrome? And it's really refreshing to hear a woman, um, Mm -hmm. especially a woman of color, say, no, I don't. Like, I've done this. And so this is the next logical step for me. You don't, you don't hear that a lot. She actually says later on, she's like a woman who isn't apologizing for herself makes people uncomfortable. Mm. And I just want us to break ourselves out of that. <laughs> but it's, it's hard sometimes. Wow. Yeah. I remember that podcast episode um, with Mindy and I can't relate because I don't know if I can truly say that I have the confidence level of Mindy, but that is something that I want to strive for and be more unapologetically myself instead of questioning my level of performance and what I can do. And this, so I think it does affect women, but you mentioned 
women of color and coming, you know, that sort of confidence that she has as a woman, woman of color and, and showing up like that. And I think there are, I read this article in Harvard business review, um, about imposter syndrome, but imposter, imposter syndrome specifically with, with women in color. And I'll share the link, I'll share the link in the show notes. It's a very good article. Um, I didn't get to really digest it as much as I wanted to before our conversation, but it did bring up this idea of like, we've, there are a lot of resources out there of like how to overcome your imposter syndrome. There's a lot of like conferences. Uh, people are talking about it. Like we're talking about it on this podcast, but are we really hitting it at the core of the issue? And I, th- and, and describing the core of the issue mm. being like the systems that we have in place on why it's specifically women and also why it can be specifically women of color and how those two populations are the ones getting hit the most and why it's not typically men who deal with imposter syndrome. And it's because they have had role models and examples just everywhere. And they have this comfort of knowing that no matter what, they're going to be okay. And versus women and specifically women of color who don't get that built-in buffer and built-in safety net. And I'm like, wow, I've never actually thought about it that way of not only do I need to, you know what I mean? Like I've never, and now that I look back on some of my like work experiences, I'm like, interesting. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I do, I do think representation is, it's hard to overstate the importance of representation. I mean, as much as we all strive to be, well, not all of us, but as much as many people strive to be breaking barriers and, you know, smashing glass ceilings and doing all of these great things, there is, I think, a natural comfort or a bit of an exhale when I can point to someone and say, okay, Obama's president, Mm -hmm. cool. If I come next, like, I don't have to Mm -hmm. be the first person to have done this. Or, oh my gosh, my company just appointed a person of color who wasn't the chief diversity officer. They're like doing the other stuff in the (laughs) C-suite. Like, great. I I don't have to be the first one or, you know, what have you. There's so many people breaking barriers in every way, disabilities, you know, all all, all sorts of um, diversity. But I do think it it is comforting to feel like the door has been cracked open and I can mm-hmm. kind of wedge my foot in there versus I'm going to have to ram my shoulder in to be the first one mm-hmm. to, to get that crack. So I, I, I think it's really wonderful when we can point to people who've done the work before us and and not forget to thank them, even if like I haven't personally had a conversation with Oprah Winfrey, she has influenced my life in ways that I don't even realize because of how much she's done to shape representation in her one space. And and we see that with with so many other people. Totally. And you know, you hit on hit it on the nose with 
this representation and the the people who come before us and that builds confidence within ourselves and it sort of helps get rid of that self-doubt that I think every human in the world struggles with regardless of your gender um but for it historically you know women are a little bit quote later in the game with the the type of positions and the type of representation that we get to have now and so yeah I thought that this was just an interesting angle on thinking about imposter syndrome and just inclusion and and women in the workplace and and all that stuff and I've, I'd never thought about it like that and so it was a interesting mind shift that imposter syndrome is something that internally we can be working on right we can be working on it within ourselves but it's also an external and a systemic issue yeah for sure I mean we like to yeah. focus on the things that we can control. I think that's definitely where you should put mm-hmm. a lot of your effort, you know, but it is it is important to also recognize maybe some of those bigger systems. In in terms of the things we can control though, let's talk about that. I mean, how do you teach confidence? How do you build confidence whether that's in yourself, in in your child, in in a student? Like how, how can we, in, in your friend, like how can we best support each other or ourselves if maybe we don't have that network to improve, improve our own confidence? Like I look at myself and I, like I just said not too long ago, I think I'm a relatively confident person, not without mm-hmm. my flaws and self-doubts, but I'm, I'm, I'm fairly confident. And I try to think, where did that come from? How how did I develop it? I, I don't think it's just something you're born with. I definitely think it's within all of us to things can shatter our confidence, but we can also build it back up. But I'm, I'm having a hard time thinking about like, what do I do? Or how do I, how do I work on that? Do you have anything hmm. that you do or study to, to improve? I, I just know it's something so many people struggle with that. I'm like, huh? How do you get more confident? You know, and I just said earlier that <laughs> I wish I was on the Mindy Kaling level of, of confidence because I think I haven't always been confident and I'm on my own confidence journey myself. But, you know, Renee, I've known you for almost 20 years. And what's interesting is that when you say that, I also reflect on just us growing up together and how I, without even really thinking about it until this moment, I'm like, wow, you know, I have always thought about Renee being a confident person. And I don't also know where it comes from, but I, I think it has, there's a lot of things at play. I think it's, our environment has a lot to do with it. I think definitely our upbringing, the type of role models that we have in our lives um, help to build confidence as well. And just being surrounded by confident people, especially confident women, um, can do a number for very like young children in their formative years. And I am not a mom, but I saw this thing cross my Instagram 
about learning how to or, or teaching children confidence. And one of the things they shared about, and I wish I could source it, but sorry, just gonna to take my word for it. Um, it's the nature of the internet. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you're just like, where did I read this? It was around being able to let your children fail or fall, but you're always sort of like doing it forward and knowing that they've got support. And I use fail very like in air quotes, like, you know, fail. Um, And that you, when they're trying to figure something out to not hover and be like, no, 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 that's not how you do it. Or like, let me show you how to do it. Mm, And just sort of letting them figure it out by themselves. And it creates this sense of not only independence, but forces them into, yeah, growth mindset. You know what I mean? Like, and that is something that helps build confidence. And when I read that, I was like, wow, I love that. I'm going to implement that in my parenting um, one day. But when I think about that, I also think about how it looks like maybe for us older folks and how it looks like in the workplace when we have people who trust us versus micromanage us. And that has built confidence in me, knowing mm, that yeah. my manager, my boss, my company can, you know, they have my back, but they know where I thrive and they know where I'm trying to grow and they let me, they let me do so. And that I'm not ever actually, quote, failing them if I might mess up a little bit. Um, it, you know, they'll just like redirect or pivot me and, and help me grow that skill. Um, so those are the two things that I think come to mind with building confidence. And I think just very much as we like have to exercise gratitude or exercise muscles, stretch our muscles, confidence is the same thing. I completely agree. I, I love what you said about kind of giving people the freedom to fail actually mm-hmm. doesn't put them down. It, it gives them more, it empowers them, I guess, in a way to say, I was able to pick myself back up. That does build confidence. I think in reflecting on myself, I going back to representation, I do think I really benefited in many ways from growing up in Jamaica. I think being in a country that is so racially it's racially diverse but it's also like predominantly black um or mixed race like I didn't I didn't grow up in a community where no one who looked like me was a doctor or a lawyer or a prime minister I mean so many people looked like me and so it really I think maybe again subliminally I don't even think this was something that was specifically taught to me but I just saw people who look like me can succeed it's not exceptional if someone from my school becomes a doctor like everyone like so many people in the country look like me and so I think there is that subconscious understanding that these options are possible for me which I recognize in the United States at least not every community or every person has that where they grow up like you might be in a school where none of the teachers look like you even if they're invested in you and they 
want to support you. Like you don't see anyone who looks like you, who's maybe not an athlete or a rap star or working in um, certain job fields. It just feels more of an outlier. So I, I do think now that I'm like giving it more thought, like that is something I probably took for granted as a really pivotal thing. Another thing that I also use a lot, which I think we don't talk about enough is fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I do think that there is power in almost like scamming yourself, <laughs> like not <laughs> scamming other people, but if it's only I okay pre- if you scam yourself, <laughs> yes, don't scam other people. Like I'm not, I'm not in the scammer life, but you know, if I pretend to walk into a room with my head held high over time, I will start to do that naturally. You know, we, we've talked through, especially in our book club episodes and, you know, some, some other resources about the importance of sort of how elastic the brain is and how we can control our mind and really shape our lives. And I do think that process of just pretending you're there gets you there. I remember mm. when I was in high school or college, I used to always envy people, particularly women, I guess, because I'm a woman who could do things on their own. Like if I saw a woman go to the movies alone or Mm -hmm. just get lunch on her own, I just thought that was so chic. I was like, oh, she can just enjoy her own company. Like I just want that level of coolness. And the first several times I did it, it was supremely awkward. I felt like everyone was looking at me and everyone was like, oh, who's this loser? No one can go to the movies with her or she doesn't have anyone to eat lunch with. And I really had to force myself to not look at my phone the whole time to just people watch and pretend like I was okay, even though internally I felt really uncomfortable. And I don't know that there was ever a moment where it shifted, but over time I realized, oh, I am slowly becoming a woman who can eat lunch on her own. (laughs) I can go to the movies alone and I'm not fixated over whether a stranger who I'll never see again wanders to themselves, hmm, why isn't she here with someone? And so without even realizing it, by faking that confidence, I slowly started to feel like less of an imposter and I actually became that vision of a woman that I wanted to be. But it it takes time. And, And I think that's something that I would just encourage everyone to A, practice faking it and B, if you see that other people who look like they're further ahead on their journey than you remember that they might be faking it until they get there too Mm -hmm. so just keep that in mind when you have your comparison stick in your head that like why is everyone else at this level and I'm not like they might be at your level they just might be better at hiding it or (laughs) not hiding it but they might be better at projecting where they want to go a little more easily. Yeah, I you know the the faking it and the scamming yourself. I you have to just go through it, you know? And so yeah, there is this moment of the first 5 times feels fake and then the 6th time it feels real. And you don't yeah. even it, it it he sort of mentioned this in like Atomic Habits in a good way being it eventually you you automate that feeling 
and it becomes something that you don't have to actively think about anymore. And you talked about this earlier um, about your first time presenting. And I still every now and then get nerves around presenting. You know, it just means you care. It just means you care about how you do. Mm -hmm. And I I think that has helped channel some of this like imposter syndrome in me is like you're feeling this way because you just care so goddamn much and use Mm. that, you know, like you're, 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 you're nervous and you think you're going to fail because you don't want to. And so what can you do to help yourself not fail? And I used to use this all the time in my in, in, in the workplace and especially in my last job. I used to say all the time, like, I – like, current Melissa, present Melissa is planning for future Melissa. So knowing that presentations at the time give me an ick, especially with executives, right? I need to work on my executive presence – you know, I think that's a very natural feeling when you're, you know, mid-level in your career presenting to a CEO. It's scary. Um, and so what can I do to chip away at those feelings of feeling like an imposter? And for me, you know, it was this a certain way of how I organized the presentation or took notes. Like I was just I knew myself enough to know here's what I need to have to be confident in this in this presentation, right? Like I am not like if I wing it, you know, I don't love winging things. And so I'm like, okay, I know they're going to ask questions. How do I anticipate them asking questions? The past experience with these CEOs, they don't have a lot of time. Um, they like to get to the meat very quickly. So don't spend, don't have seven intro slides, start from the back, show them what they want to know, and then walk them through your process. And in a way that sort of planning helped me get over it. And now I'm like, whatever. Yeah, sure. I'll I'll present to the CEO. (laughs) I think, I think you're right though, that like a lot of times imposter syndrome and, and like this conversation of confidence it comes from feeling unprepared or mm-hmm. underprepared. And so sometimes the the solution to that, or at least something that can help, is figuring out what preparation looks like to you so that it doesn't feel like the first time. Does does that mean doing a lot of extra homework, you know, where I'm doing all my reading before my first day on the job? I'm practicing the presentation several times over and practicing frequently asked questions so that I don't feel like I'm being put on the spot for the first time. Does it mean, you know, doing dress rehearsals? I mean, people do dress rehearsals before a show so that they feel prepared and confident. And I think we can do dress rehearsals in our lives for many things. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I, I think it's that feeling of just being unprepared and yes, you're not going to be able to prepare for every single thing, but you can take some steps that maybe take a little bit of the edge off. And that feels like, yes, this might be the first time I'm presenting in front of the CEO, but it's actually the 20th time I'm running through this slide deck. Mm -hmm. Even if I just did it to my friends or with my team or on my own. So it doesn't have to feel like the first time because I know this material 
inside out. So sometimes mm-hmm. just that knowledge of learning more information. Yes, maybe I've never run a company before, but I've read a lot of books. I've studied case studies. And so I feel like I have this base to start from. So it doesn't have to feel like the first time. And you're like, you were hired for a reason, right? Like, and I, that's hard for a lot of people who, who feel like an imposter. And I think particularly too, when we talk about piloting a passion project or launching anything, launching a podcast, writing your book, I think those are some very heightened imposter syndrome feelings is before that moment of actually doing the thing. You're just sort of like ruminating on the thing. <laughs> yeah. And that I, I, I truly believe so much of us, including myself, don't live to our fullest potential because we get stuck in this cycle of the imposter syndrome black hole and before we even give ourselves a chance to try we've already convinced ourselves that it's not possible or somebody's done this already why me what makes me so special what am I bringing to the table that somebody else isn't bringing um and when I think about that I think about all the people who said something anyways or who did something anyways and who inspired me in some way, shape or form. And I'm like, wow, if that person never spoke up during this meeting or if this person never started this company, uh, you know, I don't know. Um, it might've actually, this might, this whole diatribe might've been sparked by something and everything is figure outable. Um, but like if if this person didn't start this brand, I wouldn't have my favorite uh, chocolate bar company. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? And so when you think of it like that, you're like, wow, you know, my opinions do matter. What I bring to the table does matter. And I could be inspiring someone in some way, shape or form to start their own thing. And, and isn't that what we all want in the world? It's just like for everyone to shine. <laughs> for sure. We want everyone to shine. And I think, I don't know. I feel like all of my advice is just live in a dream world so that you're equipped for the real world. Like, um, Oh, but, okay, Renee. I know. And that one I made up on my own. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but like, honestly though, I think a little bit of delusion is helpful. Like I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm interested in like, I I did like film studies and that sort of thing in college. And I just, I love movies. So I, I I pay attention a lot to like what actors and people are doing. And a lot of the successful actors who I like read up on, a lot of them will tell you like, again, that confidence and especially in a job like that, where your job is constantly getting rejected and being told that you are not the right fit until you find the role where you are the right fit. And when you ask people, like, how do you keep any creative field? How do you keep submitting um, pitches for your novel when 
70 publishers have said no. How do you keep going on auditions when everyone tells you your jokes aren't funny or that you're not the right person for this role? You have to have a little bit of delusion that says, even if 100 people have told me no, I know that I'm still the funniest person here. I know that this is still the next great American novel. Like you have to allow yourself to not be totally out of touch, but (laughs) not take every single thing in as fact. Otherwise you're just going to get bogged down and like all this feedback from other people. Like you need to, and it, it might feel weird if you don't inherently feel that way about yourself in that moment. Like you might think, like you said, someone's already done this idea. There are already other chocolate bar companies. What's so special about mine? You have to like allow yourself to have that delusion that I don't care if there are a million chocolate bar companies, the way that we mix chocolate at my company is truly going to rock your taste buds. Mm -hmm. Even if like no one else gets it, you just have to be a little delusional in a good way I've never thought about it like that and I love it (laughs) yeah just like otherwise you're just like I'm gonna give you another quote from Mindy Kaling who apparently is my like confidence spirit guide (laughs) but like I just kept returning to her stuff so this is from and I'll link this in the show notes her whole speech is great but it's a commencement address she gave at Dartmouth um her alma mater in 2018 And in the speech, she says, my point is you have to have insane confidence in yourself, even if it's not real. You need to be your own cheerleader now because there is not a room full of people waiting with pom-poms to tell you, you did it. We've been waiting all this time for you to succeed. So I'm giving you permission to root for yourself. And it's true. Like, you might not be around people who are just like, you're the best, Renee. You're the prettiest. You're the smartest. You're the most accomplished. I think it would be wonderful if you had that. And I actually feel like, I I mean, none of my friends would actually say that to me because then it would blow my head up all the way. But... <laughs> Leo energy. Yeah, Leo energy for sure. They're like, we got to like actually keep her head on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) But if you don't have that around you, and even in in the best communities, like Mm -hmm. you might not have that. It's okay to do it for yourself, even if it seems silly. Like you have to be your own cheerleader sometimes. And even if you don't feel it, fake it. Fake it until you believe it. Create, yeah, create the feeling yourself. It's in your control really and we can't and you know what you know when you sort of um talked about trying to go eat dinner solo going to the movies solo and you were inspired by the wind before you who did that and and now you you embody that person right I mean like you moved to South Korea for three months by yourself like you know um you are that girl now and this is not what I was going to say, but now I'm thinking about it. Now others probably see you do that and see you share it on social and are like, wow, I can do that too. And you have no idea of knowing that, you know, some people may not even ever say to you, I may not even realize that at some point you may have um, given me the confidence to do that. It was just something that I soaked up and I took in and then moments later years later you know 
I somehow gained, you know, starting to chip away and, and gaining some confidence and not realizing that it was because of my environment and the people around me. Um, now that I went on that tangent, I don't know where I was going about the solo dinner. Oh, this is what I was going to say. Your we, memory's turning out like mine. I know. <laughs> Things it's falling contagious. through the cracks. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, I don't think, in a good way, people give that many Fs about us. <laughs> I, like, yeah. you know, when we're out in the public and we're living life, I don't think people are constantly – wondering and picking apart your life as much as you think that they are aka a lot of it is in our head you know what I mean like I don't know and actually Renee we talked about this in Spain in like an in-person conversation of just when people are walking by and we saw this lady with like a really wonderful outfit on and we were like staring at her we're like oh my god like the way that that color just her, her she's illuminating and she, oh my god the confidence mm-hmm. she's just like walking and looks so good and we like stared at her if if she was in in her head and she was thinking negatively about that situation she might have not been thinking oh wow these girls are looking at me and thinking i look like hot shit she might have been thinking wow these girls are looking at me why <laughs> what's wrong with me do mm-hmm. i have a stain on my butt like you know and so i i don't really think people care as much as we think that they care and so just do whatever we want to do (laughs) yeah no I like I completely agree with that in the kindest way possible yeah that yeah you're right like I'm over here like hyper fixating on oh are people going to be wondering why this 19 year old is like eating by herself and they're like no They're thinking about their marriage, their friends, Mm -hmm. what they have to do when they pick up the kids from school or what's going on in their life. Like people really, I think because for most of us, I'm the main character in my life. Mm. And so all of my viewpoint of the world and things tend to originate with me at the center. Of course. Yeah. And I think that's natural. And I think we have to remember that that's the case for many other people as well. They're going to, that's not to say that people can't be altruistic and have a community mindset and care about other people. But at the end of the day, they're not obsessing over you. And if someone happens to be, that's their problem. It really has nothing yes. to do with you. Like, honestly, yes. you have to ask yourself, why is this stranger like, obsessing over how awkward I look like go live your life (laughs) or obsessing over every single quote mistake you've made or whatever like if we see a colleague stumble over some of their words during a presentation I'm not like oh my god like I cannot believe they did that you know I think we need to give each other a little bit more um What's that word? But just, (laughs) I don't think it's as bad as what's in our head, the reality of the situation. And so that is like a good quote trick, I think, to getting your headspace out of this imposter syndrome, like beating 
that we put ourselves through and that at the end of the day, it just matters that you're trying and just imagine the type of good influence. And again, like, not that I think if I post something, I'm going to like inspire somebody. I just know that I'm so inspired by so many everyday people that I don't really think I've even given them a chance to let them know how they inspired me. And sometimes it's people that I don't even know and that I don't even have a clue of how to approach them to be like, wow, X person, you know, the way that you walked down the street really inspired me. (laughs) Cause you never know. You never know where inspiration strikes. I could be overhearing this conversation, getting my nails done about how, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of something. She, I'm just going to make up a story, um, started her business and that could, I could just be eavesdropping. And I'm like, wow, if she can do it, I can do it too. Yeah. And I think on that note, I agree with you in that you are inspiring people in so many ways. And I think you're inspiring people both when you succeed and both when you think that you quote unquote fail. Yes. I might look at your life and say, wow, Melissa, you've lived in another country. Like that's super inspiring or wow. The foundation and relationship you have with your partner seems really solid. Like that success quote unquote is inspiring. But I also have friends who Like I had a friend once who went to work on a cruise ship as a performer. They were going to travel over the world, get a job in the performing arts, which is hard to get. And it was just amazing. This friend quit that job within a couple weeks, pretty quickly after getting there, realized it wasn't the right fit. Mm. And I remember they, it took months for them to tell me that they had quit the job. To the point where there were times I had phone calls with this friend and they would make up things like, whoa, sorry, we're like rocky seas today. (laughs) And, you know, because they just they were so ashamed to say that this wasn't the right fit. It didn't work out. And like, Mm -hmm. I'm ashamed to tell you that I did this thing and I, I couldn't stick with it. And when they finally told me, I was like, you never have to feel any sort of hesitation or embarrassment. If anything, I've only ever been inspired that you took the risk to even try this Mm -hmm. big thing and learn for yourself that it wasn't the right fit and not regret it and like wonder at the end of your life if you didn't try. So even when things don't go the way that you want, people are still looking at your life and seeing that as an inspiration or seeing that as something that gives them confidence to say, okay, you tried it. It wasn't for you, but that gives me the confidence to try something that's big for me. And and even if it doesn't work out for me, I saw that you bounced back from it so I can bounce back too. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really don't think people are looking for ways to, to, to negatively judge each other. I think if anything, they're just looking at you to find an example of that representation that, that they're maybe missing in their life or that they want more of that this is possible. And, and if I can do they it too. are negatively judging you. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Boy. Bye. <laughs> like, <she> was, <laughs> Why are you here? 
why do you care? Why go work on your own shit? I've clearly actively working on mine. And you know, with with um, the friend you were talking about, I, I think that me hearing it, it was inspiring for me to hear of they gave it a shot. And they didn't feel like they needed to suck it up and live on a cruise ship when they were having a horrible time. Like how, you know, that they had the courage and that they had the confidence to leave. And there is confidence to stick stick with stuff. And there's also confidence to leave. Um, And just, oh yeah, so much, so much to unpack there with confidence and and imposter syndrome. But um I feel like my confidence level just went up at least two levels <laughs> from the beginning of this episode to now like nearing the end of the episode. Um, do you have any last thoughts about imposter syndrome or any other, any other things to share around how you've overcome it or how you are trying to overcome it <laughs> in certain situations? Yeah. I mean, I think the last thing I'll share, and I'll drop this in the show notes. Um, one of the things that helps me too, if I'm feeling unsure or a little bit of an imposter is when I hear other people share their experiences, kind of like what we're trying to do right now, um, of when they felt vulnerable or like a fraud. And there's so many of these articles, so you can find them in the Google search. The one I'll drop is from The Cut. And it's 25 Famous Women on Imposter Syndrome and Self-Doubt. And the women who are talking about feeling like imposters, these women are your role models. They are living at heights that I don't think I could ever get to. Supreme Court judges, award-winning performers, entrepreneurs and CEOs of like massive companies. And Sometimes it just helps if I'm feeling uneasy to remember that even people at the top feel that way sometimes, but they do it anyway. They push through Mm -hmm. and that everyone's faking it a little bit and that it's okay. (laughs) We're all just trying to get by. (laughs) We're all doing the best we can. And I was going to say, and this this will be my last remaining thought, you know, and I haven't read the article yet and I'm really excited to read it. Um, cause I bet you a handful of my role models are definitely going to be on that list. And that article is, you know, the one thing that all these women have in common, they show up. Yes. Uh, I thought you were going to say that they're women. Oh, <laughs> at least that was going to be my guess. <laughs> they're women. Okay. Um, no, you're right. Showing girls. up. <laughs> oh, Beyonce, 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 queen, queen, queen. But yeah, they, they show up and that's all we can really continue to do. And that's something that we can't control is showing up. And I think the more we do that, the more we chip away and say bye-bye to imposter syndrome. That's so true. I like that. <laughs> Just show up. That's already half the battle. Period. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ah, well, we're showing up with this podcast, so I'm, I'm happy that we're doing this. <laughs> me too. Me too. Um, transitioning I guess to like some of our closing stuff Melissa what's your gold star this week Ooh, okay so this is food related something I love and it's not a brand per se but it is something called a boodle bite (laughs) b-o-o 
D-L-E, I know, fight, like, like, you know, and it's a Filipino tradition. So it's also called, so it's Boodle Fight, but it's also known as um, Kamayan Feast. And I will share this article that I think does a really good job at explaining what is a Boodle Fight, some really good pictures. So I would try to look at this article after you've eaten because if you don't you'll drool all over your keyboard but oh I love pictures of food though <laughs> but kamayan means like eating with your hands and so boodle fight imagine all of these banana leaves on a table and there's always there's typically like cooked rice fried fish pork belly like Filipino sausage called longanisa um, chicharron, mangoes, like it, it could just really be anything. And it's typically like finger type food because all this food is not even on plates, literally placed directly onto the banana leaves. You typically sit around in a circle and you like eat together. Um, oh, and I want to do that. Yeah. I, my, my aunt and uncle, um, had a boodle fight not too long ago and invited us to it and I haven't had one of those in probably like three years and it's just so fun it's like it's such a fun way to eat it's very traditionally Filipino um I don't exactly know where it came from I think this article gets into it and I believe it has something to do with like to the Filipino military but boodle fight look into it try to attend one <laughs> if you know a filipino and if you don't know one i'm your girl and i i can try to create the experience for you oh my gosh well as you said if you know a filipino i'm like oh, i'm looking at one right now yeah so you've got a handful you've got a handful renee i do i do have quite a few filipinos hey um i definitely am gonna make it a goal to get myself invited to a boodle fight yeah I'll have to host it one day. Um, oh, yeah. But what's your gold star? Okay, so my gold star is in a slightly different direction. Not slightly. It's a very different direction. <laughs> um, so this is a, a brand that I really enjoy. Their packaging's beautiful and the products are really good. It's called Maude, M-A-U-D-E. So Maud is a modern intimacy brand that offers a variety of personal and sexual wellness products that support you in daily moments of body care and all the rituals you participate in to feel in the mood. Um, I think a lot of times when people think about personal or like sexual wellness, you think it's either something super secret that you can't talk about mm -hmm. that is like undercover or that it's maybe a little vulgar. And I think Maud, through like their beautiful packaging, the content on their websites and the quality of their products, it's chic. It's really like no frills, effective and like really beautiful. And they have something for everyone. So yes, they do have things in the sexual wellness space, like lubricants, condoms, massage oils, but they also just have like general bath products, candles, shave oils. Like really it's just about taking care of your body as a vessel, mm -hmm. whether you are sharing it with someone else or just taking care of it solo. So I'll drop it in there. It's a woman-owned brand 
And their stuff is really nice. Like I said, it's stuff you can just throw in your bag and be like, oh, here's like my hand wash. Here's my this, my whatever. It's like really, really chic and cool. That brand sounds super, super familiar. Um, I feel like I can see the packaging in my head or like the font, but I've never looked into them. So I love You will go on the website and love it. (laughs) The colors are very up. This very up your color palette. You'll love yeah. it. And, you know, I just – no shame. No shame in any of that. <laughs> no, yeah. And, again, like, it, it's it's a broad variety yeah. of stuff. So yeah, don't yeah, feel yeah. like you only go for a vibrator. Like, you can just go and get, like, bubble bath. <laughs> it's fine. Um, so what, what are you manifesting this Ooh. week? What are you – what's your yes. vibe? Um, okay. I just realized I closed the notebook where I took my notes. So now I'm opening it back up. Um, because it, do you no, want me to go no, first or you now. got it? Okay. okay. So again, <laughs> saw it on Instagram, LOL, what's new, but this manifest manifestation is about gratitude and it goes without gratitude. Everything can feel like nothing with gratitude. Nothing can feel like everything. And I, re- I had a, uh, recently I had a good conversation with a friend about um, just living life and the type of people who live life without gratitude and what damage it does to your mind and what kind of damage it does to your heart and not just being able to see what is right in front of you. And when I read this, I was like, wow, that's so true because I sometimes I look at people and I'm like, you have everything, you know, quote, like you have you know, outside perspective, you have everything, mm-hmm. like you have, you're healthy, you're alive, all this. Um, how are you not thankful for it? And it's because they themselves don't have gratitude and everything can feel like nothing. Um, but when you have gratitude, nothing feels like everything. And I love that. Yeah. I just want to take a moment to let that sink in. Because I think gratitude is just so important. I think for me, I didn't used to be very intentional about my gratitude practice. And you're right. Like before I became intentional about gratitude, I, I could find myself fixating on here's the one or two things mm-hmm. I don't have or that I'm falling short of and ignoring the hundreds of blessings and bounty around me because of this one little thing. And it, it takes time to kind of, again, shift that mindset, but it is really beautiful. And I haven't, I'm not like really that. great at doing this, but I feel like I've constantly heard people like practice this, do this every morning or every day, waking up. And writing down three to five things that you're most thankful for. Um, And that really does set the tone for the rest of the day. Um, So I say that without (laughs) me actually ever doing that consistently. But in theory, it sounds like the best way to set the tone. And now I just have to to do what I'm saying and (laughs) practice that. It's good. Yeah, I don't do I don't write it down anymore, but I did go through a period where I was writing down like three things every day. And 
I think the writing down is nice. My morning routine just like is a little all over the place and I, I'm not consistent about doing the exact same things every morning. But when you have a bad day to be able to pull out that book, and I did that if I had a bad day and I was like, wow, here's a list of 30 things that I wrote over the past 10 Mm -hmm. days that I was grateful for. Like, yes, today feels crappy, but remember two days ago, you were happy for clean sheets or, you know, like they don't even have to be big things that you're grateful for. So it is nice to have that written down to look back to. Um, What's your, what's your manifestation? So my manifestation is actually a Jamaican proverb. Ooh, look um, at us getting into our like cultures to say. Culture. <laughs> I thought that when you said the Filipino thing, I said, oh my gosh, I brought something Jamaican to the table besides myself. <laughs> um, my manifestation is a saying that shoes alone know if stocking have hole, which basically is like your shoes are the only things that know if your stockings have a hole. Kind of like what we're talking mm. about today. Everyone doesn't know everything that's going on. Like, it's okay if, like, you keep some of these things, not keep them to yourself in the sense that you don't share and confide in people that you love who uplift you, but not everyone is aware of every little flaw. So don't walk around assuming that they're being broadcasted or that Mm. they're being judged. Like, there are a lot of things that only your shoes know if your stocking has a hole. So walk in there with confidence. No one else needs to know. And you can have a beautiful day. (gasps) Okay. As I'm going to ask a question about the the proverb real quick. Is it, do you refer to stockings as socks? Is it, or do you use the word socks? For us, socks and stockings are different. Like stockings are like pantyhose. Oh, okay. Okay. And like socks are like what yeah, like just... the American like Western socks. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Maybe it can be both. I don't know. <laughs> that's so. That's so full circle for us to end on that manifestation or that um, that proverb because of everything we talked about today. <laughs> I know it's also a symbol of my growing confidence that I'm allowing my manifestations to go last sometimes <laughs> because. <laughs> I just think you have such oh good ones that I've had Lord. to push myself to sometimes have Renee. the last word because I'm like, Melissa's going to have a great Literally one. Literally every <laughs> single manifestation I think I've had on this podcast has been what has showed up on my Instagram feed. So the algorithm is working hard. She is and she's working well. Yeah, you have a good curated feed. That's beautiful. Uh, well, I'm um, glad that both our confidence levels are increasing. I wish Mm -hmm. nothing but our listeners to also continue to build their confidence in whatever piloting project they're working on. Um, And speaking of gratitude, I am thankful for you. I am thankful for this podcast. And I'm thankful for this safe space for us to have these amazing conversations. There's three. Without even knowing it, I realized I did three. Cosign and double tap double tap double click retweet (laughs) (laughs) awesome thank you so much everyone and enjoy the rest of your day with confidence like no one needs to know what's going on no whatever just good (laughs) i'm like speaking in circles bye (laughs) 